As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. So at this point, you fill out your entire cash flow calculator, you've got all the formula set up, and if you don't input a purchase price, you're going to get some errors, you're going to get some zero, some undefined cells in your cash flow calculator, particularly when it comes to these return factors, the cash and cash return, the IRR. How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets, which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on BuildingBits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while Building Bits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone so you don't just get the rental income, but also share in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School, and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the apartment syndication school, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, Best of Your listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm the host, Theo Hicks. Each week, as you know, we air two podcast episodes that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. 
And for the majority of these episodes, we offer a document, spreadsheet, some sort of resource that accompanies the episode for free. All of these free resources, as well as the past Syndication School series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is going to be a continuation of the series we've been doing for, I guess now has been about two months since we took about a one-month break, because I've been off for the past month. But I'm back here to talk more apartment syndication. But this is going to be a continuation of the series entitled How to Underwrite a Value-Add Apartment Deal. This is going to be part five. I highly recommend, if you haven't already, going back and listening to parts one through four. You might have a lot of new new listeners since we haven't recorded for about a month. So to start this episode off, I'm going to quickly do a synopsis of steps one through four, just to give you an idea of what we've discussed so far, because everything we've discussed so far is going to be the foundation for specifically this episode, because in this episode, we're going to talk about how to actually set the offer price. So once you've done parts one through four, in the case of the seven-step underwriting process, steps one through four, then we are going to be able to set an offer price and see if we can actually get this deal under contract. So in part one, we discussed what you actually need in order to underwrite a value apartment deal, and that's going to be the T12, which is going to be that 12-month summary of the income and expenses at the property. You're going to need the rent roll which is a summary of the units and the amount of money each of those units are bringing in. Third is going to be the offer memorandum, if the deal is on market. That's that sales package put together by the listing broker. And then lastly, you're going to need some sort of financial model to input all this information into. And being syndication school, and we give away free stuff on this podcast all the time, one of the free documents we gave away is that simplified financial model, that simplified cash flow calculator. So if you haven't done so already, go to syndicationschool.com and make sure you download that model. Because a very common question I see is, can I get my hands on the financial model you guys use to underwrite your deals? And this is not the model that we use, but is a simplified, condensed version of that model that you can use to get started, that you can use to fully underwrite deals, and that hopefully you are able to customize as you get more familiar with the cash flow calculator as well as the underwriting process to make it a powerful tool based off of what you need and how well you are using Excel. Also in part one, we went ahead and introduced the seven-step underwriting process. So to quickly review, step one is to read the offering memorandum. Step two is to input the rent roll data into your cash flow calculator. Step three is the input the T12 information in your cash flow calculator. And step four is to set the underwriting assumptions. Step five is to determine the offer price. Step six is to perform a online rent comp analysis. And step seven is to visit the property in person. Now, as I mentioned already, we've done steps one through four so far. In this episode, we're going to be talking about step number five. But in part one... If you listen to that, we discussed steps one through three, which is, again, read the OM, input the rent roll, and input the T12 data. Then moving on to part two, the second episode in this series, we began setting our assumptions. So we did step four, setting the underwriting assumptions. Specifically in that episode, we focused on how to calculate how much money you need to raise in order to take down the deal. And that requires knowing, one, what your acquisition fee is going to be, Two, how much you have to pay in closing costs. Three, how much you have to pay in financing fees. Four, how much money you're going to raise for an operating account fund. 
Five, how much money you're going to need to raise in order to perform the interior and exterior renovations. And six, how much money you need to put down in order to secure financing. So we, we reviewed how to calculate each of those factors. Then in step three, we went into more detail on how to calculate those renovation, those capital expenditure costs, so those interior costs and those exterior costs, as well as a contingency budget. And to do so, we went over a list of 27 different ways that you can add value to apartment communities. Again, not every single way to add value, but these are some of the most popular and common ways to increase the value of your apartment community by performing those interior renovations or exterior renovations in order to demand more rent or other sorts of income through fees. And then the most recent syndication school episode was part four, and that is where we finished up step four, setting the assumptions, and we discussed the remaining assumptions, which were those growth assumptions. So from appreciation how much is the income going to increase each year and how much are the expenses going to increase each year. We talked about the various project assumptions. So that's how long do you think it's going to take in order to perform all the renovations and get those new stabilized rents? How long do you plan on holding onto the property? And then we discussed the stabilized income and stabilized expense assumptions. That is what are going to be the income. So the you know, loss of lease, vacancy, bad debt, concessions, things like that, as well as the expenses payroll costs, insurance, taxes, what are those going to be once you actually take over the property? And the last set of assumptions we discussed were those debt assumptions. So what type of loan are you getting? What's the interest rate? What's the amortization period? Is there an interest only period? How long is a loan? So we went ahead and discussed where to find that data and how to input that into the cash flow calculator. Now at this point, since we have all the information about how the property is currently operating, and we've inputted all the information about how we plan on operating the property, we're able to go ahead and figure out how much money we can pay for the property. We can figure out how to set an offer price. So that's what we're going to talk about for the remainder of this episode. And then in next episode, as well as next week, we're going to finish off the seven-step underwriting process. So with that being said, let's jump right into how to determine an offer price. So if you listen to the episodes... Typically for these larger apartment deals, 100 units, 200 units or more, whether it's off market or on market, there's likely not going to be a purchase price or a sales price listed. Typically, if you read through an offer memorandum, it's going to say that the price is going to be determined by the market or it'll just be left blank or they won't even really address the sales price at all. Now, determined by the market means that they're likely going to have some sort of bidding period where all of the people who are interested in buying the deal will do their analysis, submit their offers, and then once they collect all those offers, they're going to pick the strongest offers, not necessarily the highest price offer, but the strongest offer, and, and we'll discuss that most likely next week, how to create a strong offer. But they're going to review all those, and then sometimes they'll have a best and final seller's call, Well, the seller and the broker will have a conversation with the top few buyers to get an understanding of their ability to purchase as well as what their business plan is going to be. And then they'll pick the strongest offer to have a purchase sales agreement signed for. So typically that number is going to be based off of the buyer. So what are the buyer's return goals and how much value can they add to the deal? The more value you can add, the more you can pay for the deal. So those are kind of the two main factors that will determine the sales price. So when it relates to the return goals, because we've already talked about adding value, we discussed 27 ways to add value. 
But the other one is the return goal. So what are the return goals that either you and or your investors have for the apartment deals? So since we are raising money from the goals of our passive investors are going to be pretty important. So you're going to want to know what returns they want. So for Joe's business, when they're analyzing deals, the two factors that they take into account when determining how much money to pay for a deal are going to be the cash on cash return and the internal rate of return. So when they're underwriting deals, they want to see a cash on cash return of at least 8% each year. And one of the reasons why is because the preferred return that they offer to their investors is 8%. So the deal doesn't cash flow 8% each year. They're not able to hit that preferred return. So the deal is not going to make sense. Now, sometimes you don't necessarily need to hit that 8% or whatever that factor is year one. You can make up for it in other ways. You can accrue. You can pay your investors in other ways. But ideally, you want to see an average return of at least 8% each year if that's what your preferred return is going to be. The other one is internal rate of return, which is going to be based off of the hold period. But for Joe's business, they want to see an IRR of around 13 to 14% for a five-year hold. Now, when you're underwriting it from the strictly analytical perspective, the way that you're going to figure out what the offer price is going to be is through an iterative process. So at this point, you fill out your entire cash flow calculator, you've got all the formulas set up and if you don't input a purchase price, you're going to get some errors, you're going to get some zeros, some undefined cells in your cash flow calculator, particularly when it comes to these return factors, the cash and cash return, the IRR. That's because the cash flow calculator is waiting for you to input the last piece of information, which is what's the purchase price going to be. And then once you input a purchase price, it'll go ahead and do its thing, run all of its formulas and spit out a cash on cash return and an IRR. So, what you want to do is you're going to want to essentially just input a number and see what the cash on cash return and the IRR is. If the cash on cash return is 50% and the IRR is 100%, then you're going to want to likely increase that number because it's not going to be a strong enough offer to the seller. If the cash on cash return is 1% and the internal rate of return is 3%, then you're going to want to go ahead and reduce that offer price. And so you're going to keep kind of messing around, inputting different numbers until you get to the point where you've got a purchase price that results in the deal meeting or exceeding your return goals. Now, one more thing that you're going to want to do before you get to this point, because the cash and cash return is not necessarily dependent on when you actually sell the property, because that's just based off of the ongoing cash flow. But of course, once you actually sell the property, since you've added value, you've increased the income and or decreased the expenses, then the value of the property is going to go up, which means that you're going to have hopefully a large lump sum of cash to distribute at sale. And the amount of money you're able to distribute at sale affects the internal rate of return. So that's why you want to input, if you remember back to step four, one of the assumptions you inputted was your projected hold period. So five years, seven years, 10 years, how long do you plan on holding on to the property? Once you input that, then you're going to know on this date, in the future, I plan on selling the property. So based off of that, you can determine how much profit you're going to make once you actually sell the property. So these are what are known as disposition assumptions or, or sales assumptions, just a fancy way of saying sales assumptions. And once you set those, then you will have that IRR number populated. So there's a few things you need to know in order to set your dispositions assumptions. Number one is going to be what will be the exit cap rate. 
So the value of the property of multifamily is based off of the net operating income and the market cap rate. So you're going to know what the exit net operating income is because if you filter your cash flow calculator out properly, then every single year should have a total income, a total expense, subtract the two, and you'll have your net operating income. So if the goal is to sell the property after five years, then you can use the net operating income from month 60. So whatever the annualized net operating income in month 60, which is five years, will likely be an estimate or an approximation of what the net operating income will be when you sell the property in five years. Of course, it's not going to be perfect. That's why we want to input conservative assumptions. That's why I said to input conservative assumptions. That way you know that that net operating income is not necessarily worst case scenario, but it's a conservative estimate and not something that's super aggressive. And you'll notice this when you have your cash flow calculator, just the slightest change in that net operating income will impact the profits as well as the ongoing cash flow. So if you're super aggressive and you don't hit those numbers, then you're not going to hit those return projections that you presented to your investors. And that's going to, at the very least, give your credibility a hit. So in order to calculate that exit cap rate, it really depends on how you want to do it. Different operators have, have different methods and strategies for determining what the exit cap rate is. For Joe's business, they'll typically assume that the exit cap rate is going to be 20 to 50 basis points worse than the in-place cap rate. So what that means is they believe that the market is going to be worse when they sell than when they buy. Now, if that holds true, again, this is being conservative and kind of going for that worst case scenario. If the market is worse when they sell compared to when they buy, will they still be able to hit those return projections? If they do, and the market remains the same or gets better, then they're going to blow away their projections. But just to be safe, they assume that the market is going to be in this case, 20 to 50 basis points worse at sale compared to the purchase. In mathematical terms, that means that the exit cap rate is going to be 0.2 to 0.5% higher than the in-place cap rate. So if the in-place net operating income divided by the offer price that you set, let's say it's 5%, and you plan on selling after five years, then the in-place Cap rate being 5%, you're going to assume an exit cap rate of 5.5%. Now, a few of the other strategies I've seen is 10 basis points per year. So every year they hold the property, they assume the market cap rate is going to get worse by 0.1%. Some people just keep it the same. Again, it's really up to you, but our recommendation is to assume whether it's 20, 50, 100, whatever you want to do, but assume that the market is going to be worse at sale than at the buy just to keep everything conservative. So once you have that exit cap rate and then you have got your exit net operating income, you take NOI divided by that cap rate in order to determine what you're likely going to be able to sell your property for after five years. Of course, you didn't buy this property all cash and you likely didn't pay off your entire loan. You might even refinance and have a larger loan on there now. So you're going to have to subtract the remaining debt from the sales price. And again, I'm just explaining kind of how the the math is working in the cash flow calculator. In the simplified cash flow calculator, all of this is already done for you. All you really need to do, well, actually, the cash flow calculator automatically assumes that the exit cap rate is 50 basis points worse. I'm kind of just explaining what's going on in the cash flow calculator, just in case you want to tweak things. So it'll subtract the remaining debt, and that will be what your profits will be at sale. But then there's also a few other things that need to come out of that before you're able to distribute to investors. 
you're going to have your closing costs. So if you're the seller and you're paying the closing costs, you're going to have to take that into account. As the general partner, you might also charge a disposition fee, which is a percentage of the sale for essentially all the work you've done from day one until you actually sell the property. And then you're going to take out some taxes and really any other fees that are involved with the selling of properties. That could be a broker's commission. You know, it really just depends on how you go about selling the property. And once all that money is taken out, the remaining profit is going to be your sales proceeds. And that is going to be the money that is able to be distributed. And then based off of how you structured your agreement with your passive investors, some of that money goes to them and some of that money goes to you. So for example, you're likely going to need to distribute the remaining equity to investors. So let's say, for example, you hold on the property for five years. So let's say, for example, total investment of a million dollars. And you've given that 8% preferred return, which is technically usually considered a return on capital. Anything above that is considered a return of capital. So anything that was distributed above that preferred return will get subtracted from their capital balance. And then whatever is remaining is owed back to them at sale. So you subtract that from the sales proceeds. And then the remaining profits are split between the GP and LP based off of whatever that profit split is. So 50-50, 70-30. And that's how much money is going to be going to your passive investors at the sale. And at this point in the cash flow calculator, it'll automatically calculate that internal rate of return based off of all the cash flow they've received from day one, plus that entire lump sum profit they receive at sale, plus how much money they invested initially, and it will calculate that internal rate of return for you. So at that point, you will have the entire cash flow calculator filled out. You'll have your disposition assumption set. You'll go ahead and do that iterative process with the offer price. And once you've gotten to the point where you've gotten that cash on cash return and the internal rate of return to the point where it meets your investor's goals or your goals if you're buying this deal yourself, that is going to be what you can offer on the property. And at this point also, all of the other cells that were undefined or zeros will automatically populate. So for example, the equity requirements, how much money you need to raise because that number is going to be based on the purchase price because of the acquisition fee, the closing costs, all those are usually just a percentage of the purchase price. And that's how it's set up in the simplified cash flow calculator. So you can go through and say, okay, this is how much money I'm going to pay for the deal. This is how much money I need to raise. And here are going to be what the return factors are going to be. Now you're not ready to submit an offer yet. There's still a few more steps, but at this point, something that would be helpful for you, especially if you're just starting out, is to go ahead and ask your mentor and or your property management company to review your underwriting. Now, depending on the expectations you set with your mentor or property management company, different list of conversations will determine kind of how you have them analyze your underwriting. You probably don't want to just send them your cash flow calculator and that's it because that's going to be more work on their part because just because you're familiar with the cash flow calculator doesn't mean that they're necessarily familiar with the cash flow calculator. So anything that you have questions on or you're not 100% sure on, just ask them. So for example, you can say, hey, these are my stabilized expense assumptions. Here's my payroll cost. Here's my property management fee. Here's my maintenance and repairs. Here's my contract services. What are your thoughts on that? Here are my growth assumptions. Here are my income assumptions. I think the vacancy is going to be this. Loss of lease is going to be this. What are your thoughts on that? Here are the interior and exterior renovations I think are going to be needed at the property. And here's the costs associated with each of those. What are your thoughts on that? So some kind of summarize your cash flow calculator in words 
and then send them a few bullet points and ask them to kind of give you their feedback based off of that instead of just sending them the entire Excel model. Because they probably wouldn't appreciate that that much, but they'd appreciate you putting forth the effort to underwrite the deal as well as you putting forth the effort to make the, your questions more clear and concise. So at this point, you've got your offer price. You're going to want to do steps six and seven kind of concurrent with determining the offer price because it really depends on how you are determining the stabilized rents, how much money you're going to be able to collect once you've actually done all of your exterior and interior innovations. This strategy is kind of assuming that you're buying a property that has the proven rent premium. So that means, as I've said in previous episodes, that the current owner has implemented a program already on maybe 20% of the units. And they've gotten a 25, 50, whatever dollar rental premium. And you're going to assume that you're going to get that same premium on the remaining units. And you've inputted that in your cash flow calculator. If that's not the case, then you're going to have to do steps six and seven first. That is the rent comp analysis and the in-person analysis. So this step-by-step, seven-step process, usually you'll follow it straight through. But sometimes you might have to do the rent comps first before you're able to set an offer price. But we'll talk more about that in tomorrow's episode when we discuss how to perform the rent comp analysis. So that's going to conclude part five of how to underwrite a value at apartment deal, as well as step five of the underwriting process, and that is how to determine that offer price. And again, it's going to be based off of the return goals. And once you know those and you've set your disposition assumptions, you're going to want to determine what the offer price is going to be through that iterative process, which means you kind of change that input on the cash flow calculator until you are achieving those returns that are desired by you and or your investors. And as I said, in part six tomorrow, we're going to discuss step six, which is going to be the rent comp analysis. Until then, to listen to other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications and to download that free simplified cash flow calculator and other free documents, visit syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Wouldn't it be nice to buy a piece of institutional quality, income-producing commercial real estate buildings for as little as $500? Now you can with Building Bits. Building Bits is a new platform where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building leased to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available only for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of the current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.